1: Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one?
2: It's the Politics Joe Pubcast. Love podcasts, hate nonsense. It's the Politics Joe Pubcast, ladies and gentlemen. Shamow. Here we go. It's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. Ava Santina, my political queen, fresh from the GMB desk. How are you? Oh,
3: well, you know, great. Yes? Yeah, great. Good. I've got my dress stapled, so I'm feeling very uncomfortable at the moment. Stapled? Stapled, yeah. Tell me more. Well, when I got there, it was falling apart. Oh, gosh. And I felt like they, they were okay with that. (laughs) But no, it was stapled in the end. Okay, stapled in place. So I've got staples in odd places.
2: Yeah. Okay, that makes me worry for you. And also just ringing in my ears is, I can't help when you said the word stapled, it reminded me of the guy in Ed's porn video, porn awards video, who said he had his nutsack stapled.
3: Well, I was doing that last night. (laughs) And then... (laughs) A life of staples. (laughs) Yes.
2: Um, We're here to... Break down Prime Minister's questions. Mm. Uh, we'll get straight into it, shall we? We'll, we'll, let's, just, let's just roll the
1: clip. Roll the clip.
2: Roll the clip. I now come to Deputy Leader of the Opposition, Angela Rayner. Yay!
1: Thank you. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And can I associate myself and thank you for your opening comments regarding our NHS and thank all of those staff that have worked and continue to work in our NHS today. And I'm sure members across the whole House will join me in paying tribute to Lord Bob Kerslake, a decent and kind man who accomplished so much in both local and national government during a lifetime of public service. Our heartfelt condolences go to his family. Mr Speaker, I am glad to see the right hon. Gentleman here today. I think I am right in saying that I have the pleasure again next week, two weeks on the trot. They really have given up. Every day. Every day. 4,000 families' mortgages' deals expire, 100,000 more since we last met, and millions more next year. Families are sick with worry about the cost of the Tory mortgage bombshell. Do they still claim to be the party of home ownership?
4: Well, may I begin by associating myself with the Right Honourable Lady's remarks about Lord Bob Kerslake. I knew him from my time in Downing Street. He was a stalwart public servant, and he will be missed by, yeah. by many on both sides of this House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it may come as a surprise to the Right Honourable Lady, but actually some leaders trust their deputies to stand in for them. <laughs> When it comes to mortgage rates, I support the independence of the Bank of England taking the necessary measures to control inflation. Just ask the IMF about what we have done in support of them. They have said we have taken decisive and responsible action to bring down inflation, and we will continue to do so. But what is Labour's plan? To borrow £28 billion a year. Pushing up inflation, to cut our domestic energy supply, pushing up inflation, and to penalise workers saving into their pensions, pushing up inflation. There we have it from Labour. End this borrowing and higher prices.
1: Angela Rayner.
4: Mr. Speaker,
1: We've had 13 years of conservative failures and that ho- homeowners watching that pathetic answer will be cringing that they aren't celebrating the government's success. They're counting the cost of their failures. And the only thing that's not soaring in prices at the moment is these
3: gags that are getting cheaper by the minute.
2: Ange versus Dowden. Thoughts, feelings?
3: Um, Sean actually said something quite good upstairs, which I wasn't going to credit him for. But Glad you have. I've, I have. <laughs> um, he said... It shows you how uncharismatic Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak are. If two uncharismatic people like Oliver Dowden can be interesting,
2: I um, have a bit of a soft spot for for Oliver Dowden. I really? went, I went I think he's quite funny. I think he um, he spent a lot of time. Was did he do Boris Johnson's PMQs prep? He did, certainly did someone's. Um He's been like in the room writing writing the ripostes and now that he's actually standing up and, and delivering them I think he's I think he's quite good I don't know um, Ange I like Ange and I really liked her versus Rob as well I thought she made him look
3: sensational opposite Rob yeah you know I, re- I feel really sorry for her no that's, that seems mean okay I I. I feel something. Um, <laughs> what, what is it? Well, because it, it's just quite clear that the politics of the day are not um, favourable to her and she is being pushed out mm. um, by Keir Starmer and Rachel Reeves and she's kind of being edged away. And you can kind of see this the light flicker out in her, I think. You know, mm. she used to stand up there and... Okay, I know it's going to sound really trivial, but she used to get her hair done every time for PMQs. And like I, I thought that was really nice because I was like she really cares about the... okay that's going to sound really anti-feminist i don't mean but no, she I, really I think cares for it and she saying. wants to present the best version of herself and she you know she's really relishing in like holding democracy to power blah, blah, blah. and now i just feel like she's kind of just there
2: i um i felt something similar actually watching watching it today i it, it something that became really apparent to me towards the end of the Corbyn years when i was interviewing him and i got just people would often say to me i like You've interviewed Jeremy more times often than some BBC programs or presenters have. What's your big takeaway from like speaking to him as much as you have done? The takeaway I had was that he just didn't want to do it. Mm. He was tired. Like, he, you he, he just got this palpable sense of almost just like resignation of being like, fuck this. And I know this is probably like, you know, not what people want to hear. But I really got the sense around the sort of 2019 election that he was just kind of burnt out and had had, had enough of it.
3: Burnt out, yeah.
2: And... I I think I had a similar sense with Ange watching her up there today. I I don't know why it just didn't feel like her heart was in it. I don't know if that's the right thing to say. Um, but yeah, I, I I just had a ve- there was a similar sense sort of floating around in the air of almost being like resigned or accepting it. And actually, you mentioned Reeves. Uh, looking at Rachel Reeves sat on the bench next to her when Ange was speaking, I thought it was the the look on Reeves's face quite plainly was one of almost just sort of like. Disgust or yeah. resentment—I don't know—that I thought the the uh, the divide in the opposition, which basically is sort of you know that that Lotto plus Reeves versus Ange and then the kind of other soft left-ish people that are left in the shadow cabinet—I thought it was quite apparently on display today, mm. looking at it.
3: And then Oliver Dowden was sort of le- leveraging these insults at her, like, you know, the last time the Right Honourable Lady was nearly sacked by the Labour leader, um, she came back with a better title. And mm. then there was another one, which was, um, you know, some leaders actually trust their deputies to stand in place. And you could, you could see in her, her face, she didn't have the fight. About a year ago, Dominic Raab leveraged the same insult at her and she was really raring to go. She mm. was like, oh, don't be so ridiculous. And now she's just sort of like, Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, Oliver. <laughs> ten, ten, ten points. Um, yeah, I get that. I also just to talk about the substance of what they were talking about for a minute. Um,
3: oh, not just like gossiping about, like, yeah. well, you know, outfits. We have, to, we have to, we have to,
2: we have light and shade, light and shade. Um, but this, mm. this interest rates stuff, I think is is not going away, and I understand why Labour's talking about it because, uh, for me, the, the the divide of the future in British politics is. Asset class, wage class, and that fault line also very neatly dovetails along sort of demographic lines. It is sort of the older, the older generation who own assets, i.e. homes versus the younger generation who don't and are relying on their wages. Um, And it's interesting to see the Labour Party sort of not only trying to attack the Tories on home ownership. um, I, I think if you asked anyone at the sharp end of the housing market, i.e. trying to get onto it for the first time, I think you'd struggle to find anyone who'd said that the government was doing a good enough job in terms of meeting its house building targets. Mm,
3: possibly, but then unless you're in, you know, in other areas of the country, if we're going to play devil's advocate, if you're in areas where there's affordable housing being built mm. and the house prices are, you know, acceptable around the £100,000 mark, then yeah, mm. you can get on.
2: This is, the, well, this is the, we talk about this quite often, don't we, but that that is the economic choice that the younger generation face. It is stay at home or in an area of the country that's affordable, but not necessarily have access to uh employment that you're seeking. So I, mm. you know, there might be some big employers in your nearby your market town. I don't know, let's say typical service economy jobs like a call center that you could go and be a manager in, or I don't know, maybe there's like a legal firm or anything like that. But your employment prospects are not the same as they would be in an urban center. So your choice is you stay where you can afford to buy a house, but you probably won't pursue the career that you want to versus you move somewhere where you will be able to pursue the career that you're interested in, but you're priced out of the housing market. And that economic choice, I think is basically the fundamental political problem that the younger generation face in this country. Unfortunately, as the country ages, um, it's not electorally beneficial to do anything about that because the proportion of voters that are homeowners is only going to increase as the population ages.
3: Mm. So, do you want to hear something that will piss you off? Yeah, go on. We were looking at these new builds in Bath earlier. Right. And so they've built these sort of two up, two down, and they've got the, the type of masonry is probably a bit too grand of a term, but the, the, the type of front that the rest of Bath has. Mm. Um, two up, two down, as I said, perfect for a starter family. How much do you think they are?
2: uh central to bath
3: no not 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 enough
2: i'm gonna give you between two and three hundred thousand pounds
3: nine hundred thousand pounds what the fu- no. Yeah. No, <laughs> no no honestly no, no honestly no yeah that's not no <laughs> yeah that's not
2: true yeah, yeah two yeah. up two down
3: yes Fuck I showed, I showed I it to Sean it. earlier, and he, he honestly went... <laughs> there must yeah. be
2: something else going on. What is it? Have they got? Are they in, like, acres of land? Like no.
3: What? I mean, they're near a golf course, but what isn't in oh, Bath? Of course,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, bloody hell. That's, in,
3: that's insane. I know. Wow, okay. I'd also just like to draw your attention quickly to something Oliver Dowden said. I'll just make this brief. Yeah. He said, what's Labour's plan to borrow £28 billion per year pushing up inflation? Now, that is actually a bit of a rewrite from something that he said a couple of weeks ago when mm. he was last on with Angela Rayner. He said the £28 billion, but he incorrectly said that that would cost every mortgage owner a £1,000 a year, mm. which was potentially a, um, a misleading of the house. Yes,
2: indeed. I think uh, Dawn, Dawn Butler stood up at the end, Point of Order, and spoke about this. Oh, did she? She did, indeed. Oh, you've
3: cucked me. No,
2: I haven't cucked you. No, I'm agreeing, <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. It's, it's, it's true. I, and I think also... Um, the fact-checking organizations, I'm pretty sure, I, very, I scan read it, but I'm pretty sure there's an email in my inbox from Full Fact saying that that's agreeing with you, saying that it's incorrect for him mm. to have said that. So
3: I quite like, yeah, well, nice one, chump. <laughs> Everyone's talking about it. Well, dear listener, perhaps you hadn't been, and now you will be. No,
2: I'm agreeing with you. Anyway, right, <laughs> let's,
1: let's park that there. Let's move on. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So, to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing.
4: Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, get 30, get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20 get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at
1: mintmobile.com switch.
0: $45 up for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full turns at mintmobile.com.
1: Hey, it's Danny
2: Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
1: Not another one.
2: It's the Politics Show podcast. Mary Black, let's go. Roll the clip.
4: Uh, Mr. Speaker, may I actually just begin by saying genuinely how sorry I was to hear that the Honourable Lady will be standing down at the next election? She and I joined this House at the same time, and I know she has contributed much to her party and to this place. Yeah. And may I also say, I'm sure she will wish to join me in celebrating His Majesty King Charles, receiving the Scottish regalia, I pretty much as we speak. There's, there's always time for a Damascan conversion, Mr. Speaker. But when, when, when it comes to the NHS, I will take absolutely no lecture from either party on it. It has been there. For me, I was born in an NHS hospital. My children were born in an NHS hospital. It has been there for me and my family, and this Government has put record funding into it. (laughs) The
1: the Deputy Prime Minister, I thank him for his kind words. and We did join this place at the same time, and I am pretty sure we will be leaving at the same time. (laughs) One problem that faces the health service across these aisles is workforce, and research shows that Brexit has worsened the UK's shortage of doctors. European nurses registering to work in the UK fell by 90% after the Brexit referendum. What more will it take for both him and the Labour Party to admit the damage that Brexit is causing our health services? Good to hear
2: from our, our dear friend, friend of the pod... Stand-in podcast host.
3: Stand-in podcast Murray host. Black. Wasn't she good?
2: She was good. She was bloody great. Yeah. Um, and I liked the little back and forth. That It was almost, you know, uh, she, Dowden says something to her like, you know, we're, she, we she we joined the house at the same time, blah blah, 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 I'm sad to see she's going. And then that comeback of, yeah, we join and we're probably going to be leaving at the same time as well. Pow. Yeah. Uh, that was almost like the old school. You know when at PMQs there was actually kind of a bit of repartee was actually a bit of patter there was actually a bit of backwards and forwards they actually engaged with the substance of what the other person was saying and have a comeback and there was i don't know it felt it was reminiscent of a kind of pre pre pre-johnson pre-corbyn dare i say a tony blair-esque PMQs? you know
3: i'm with you i would even say it was a bit cameron Mm, it mm. was it was giving a bit of cameron and milliband it was
2: yeah there was there was a little bit of chat There was a little bit of chat there but i enjoyed i enjoyed seeing mari there and i think um I personally, I think I think Parliament's going to be the worst off for for losing her, and to see that to see the kind of would you say there was mutual respect between the two of them there in the way they were talking to each other?
3: Yeah, and I I think it's because that she is genuine, like an objectively nice person, and mm. quite funny, and just sort of gets on with it. Like mm. she's not petty, mm. if that makes sense. Well, I, I thought it was actually really funny when she shook her head quite... Well, you wouldn't have seen this on the podcast, but if you're listening to this, so Oliver Dowden said to her, you know, I, I hope you're happy that the king is in Edinburgh. And she sort of shook her head violently and kind of made a gesture as if to say like, absolutely not. Yeah, that
2: likes that wiping of the hand under the chin to sort yeah. of be like, kill it, kill it, kill it. Yeah. That and was... that's
3: funny, right? Because mm-hmm. if, you're so, if you're someone with two incredibly diametrically opposed viewpoints, you can kind of get on because mm-hmm. there's nothing ugly in that. It's just sort of like, a bit
2: funny yeah i don't know i don't know where i stand on whether you know the like uh politics is life and death you shouldn't you shouldn't have any sort of uh sense of camaraderie or kind of piss taking with the opposition side because they're the devil you know yeah. i don't i don't know i don't actually really know where i sit on that i think i quite enjoy seeing them having because i would, I would describe that exchange as good natured i know they're like they're being very rude about each other but yeah i actually thought it kind of was based it was in good faith and i actually quite like that so
3: yeah if they were a married couple like they'd kiss after that you know i
2: think it would be unlikely but yes yeah 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 well
3: yeah but you know Uh...
2: (laughs) um the substance talking about nhs privatization she was she asked she asked dowden to pick out whether it was the leader of the opposition Keir, or rish sunak who had made those remarks about privatization initially that was her first question and then talking a little bit about brexit as well um do you buy? Do you are you a buyer of the sort of Labour want to privatise the NHS as much as the Tories do?
3: Well, West Streeting actually rode back on this this morning on the broadcast round. He was talking about the NHS and he was saying that yes, Labour do want to offer private places to people who are on the NHS waiting list to get their hip replacement or to do whatever. But before, he's been a lot stronger on that. Like this morning, he was being very careful. He was saying, mm. but, you know, th- some of the Conservatives who'd like to see uh, people who are wealthier taking up private health care while the rest of us use the NHS, that's not acceptable. Mm. That's quite strong from him because yeah. I-, I would argue behind that newly created line that's obviously come from the leader's office that's been focus grouped, he would actually quite like to see a two-tier healthcare system.
2: Yeah, I think you just need to look at where um, some of the sources of funding for West Streeting are coming from, and you'll see the connections to uh, health insurance and private healthcare. Um Finally, as well, what was I going to say? I've had a, my brain, my brain has just stopped working. I had something I wanted to Were you going to say, talking
3: about the factional divides, and were you saying, isn't it interesting that Sakir Starmer doesn't believe in crossing the factional side? Because you might have seen some of the long list selections Mm. that have been going on. And one man who has been a very prominent campaigner for the Labour Party for, what, 20, 25 years, has been excluded from The Labour long list to become an MP because he once a couple of years ago said there should be co cross party cooperation oh, on a bill, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it was even a council bill, yeah, like yeah, between yeah. Greens, Lib Dems, and Labour, and they've thrown him off the long list,
2: yeah. I mean, it's just any excuse, isn't it, to kill anyone who's from a separate faction. I'm, I, I must say, I'm impressed by Keir Starmer's ruthlessness with the way that he's sort of prosecuted that war on, on the left of his party. Um, I think it's one of the standout traits of him as a leader, actually, is um, his. If he decides to pull the trigger and do something, he pursues it, like, relentlessly. Um,
3: yeah, that Oliver Engleton. Oh, God, Eagleton. Yeah. I'm gonna, that is Eagleton, isn't it? I think, I think it? it is, yeah. Crap. But he, anyway, he's a brilliant writer, and he's written an incredible book. And the whole thread in the book is basically Keir Starmer wants something. He gets it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. There's a good um, Michael Crick podcast I listened to whilst I was off. He did a mugshots profile of Starmer talking to two lawyers that he worked with as a younger man, um, one of whom still has a very favorable view of him because she worked to do the majority of his fundraising uh during the leadership campaign and then another who has a slightly less favorable view of him sort of his view how he's changed and as a young sort of progressive socialist lawyer towards where he is now um i recommend listening to to anyone who's interested in sort of the Keir sarmer backstory because it was very revealing i thought
1: we have never had it so good
2: it's the politics show podcast redwood oh, uh tonight at West Lindsay's uh, planning meeting, the RAF will apply for listed building consent to move the grave of Wing Commander Guy Gibson's dog. Apparently, the Home Office are quite content for 2,000 migrants to be cooped up next to 1,000 of my constituents living on, near the base, or actually on the base. But the RAF think it's intolerable that they should leave the grave of a dog who's lain in peace for 80 years. More importantly, will the Home Office start listening to us? If they insist on this proposal, will they put the illegal migrants in a discreet part of the base and let us get up, get on, with three hundred million pounds worth of levelling up, a hundred buildings, many of them listed, a two mile-long runway, a
4: spaceport, and let the dog lie in peace. Well, I think my my honourable friend knows that we do have to take action to address the unacceptable cost of housing migrants in hotels. And I, I actually thank him for his constructive approach that he's taken to RAF Scampton playing a role in respect of that. Of course, Home Office Ministers will have heard his broader representations and I'm sure they will respond to him.
2: Sir Edward Lee, Ava Santina. Mm. What, a, what a banger. What yeah. a banger of a contribution Another that is. Another knight of the realm. There... <laughs>
3: We lose one, we gain another. A real
2: one. Yeah. Um, those unsightly... Un, is that what you said, unsightly? Unsightly migrants? Well... Sorry, put the, put the illegal migrants in a discreet part of the base. So, yeah, uh, effectively, they're unsightly. But I guess there's a, there's a little bit of a collab here, isn't there, between him and a friend of Poljo, Sir Richard Drax, yes. um, who also stood up and was complaining about migrants reducing house prices.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> them being built... On the waterfront, wasn't it? Or, yeah. No, it was the... Um, it's
2: the barge, right? The barge. The barge, the barge is in... was
3: going to bring down the waterfront. Yeah. Because that's that's really what we want to give off to people who are fleeing war and persecution, is that they are unsightly. Yeah. That's the...
2: Has he considered hiding them behind the Great Wall of Dorset that encircles his landed estate?
3: Nice. They could
2: fit in behind there, couldn't they? I... Um,
3: that's funnier than what I was going to say. Which is has, <laughs> yeah, I was going to offer a, a half serious point, which was, Go. has he considered lobbying the Home Office to actually process more than 1% of the applications yeah. that are coming in yeah. every year? Um, but yours was much funnier.
2: <laughs> I think um, <laughs> that, uh, yours, was, yours was more serious. And I think this is, to, to pivot to seriousness for a moment here, uh, the common thread in both of those questions uh, is that It's the dehumanization of of the refugees, one that says they're sort of unsightly and, 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 you know, an eyesore and the other that's concerned about them lowering property prices in Dorset. Uh, And it, it reduces these people and they are people, it's ridiculous that it needs saying, to an eyesore, to an inconvenience, whereas in actual fact they are Take, take your pick from the skill set. T- you could be talking about someone who's going to be a doctor. You could talk about someone who's going to be a cleaner. Wherever they are on the economic scale, they're going to contribute to this society. They want to contribute to this society. And when you are as reductive and deliberately so, deliberately dehumanizing in this way, to try and other them and create this sort of hostility that was so rife in 2008, 2009, 2010, economic hardship, what do we do? We scapegoat someone less advantaged and we make them to be the problem in the society. The problem in society is not the brown people, the black people, the, in some cases, white people that are coming from Eastern Europe. They are not your enemy. The enemy is the people that have governed this country in such a way to inflict economic hardship and misery on you. It is not the person that's crossing the channel to get here. They are not, they are not your enemy. They're your friend.
3: Yeah, that was a bloody good point. And, I mean, listeners might be excited to hear you possibly saying that on one broadcaster this weekend. Oh, we, know, we don't know. We don't know. Ooh, they, might,
2: they might. They I'd might. I'd also
3: like to pose to you. That Sir Edward Lee is not quite as hot and sexy <laughs> as the culture warriors that are trying to, you know, create this division. And I think he might just be an old school racist.
2: Oh wow! For, for 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 listeners of the podcast who may, who might not know what Sir Edward Lee looks like, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna Going try to
3: the pin up on Ed's wall. <laughs>
2: I'm going to describe him. There'll probably be a clip of him on our Instagram, I imagine, that's in the process of being made right now. So you can check it out there. But he sort of has this incredibly bulbous nose that's crimson red. The rosacea spreads from there across his cheeks. He is, if you would sort of imagine your your stereo, think of a caricature of sort of an MP, early sort of 20th century sort of Tory MP. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're sort of talking that the you can smell the port through the tv screen when you look at him um
3: yeah he had grouse for lunch
2: very much so real a real shooter i think probably a double-breasted suit i can't remember whether he was wearing one today but that's drax loves a double-breasted suit as well but he's a much more sort of refined landed gentry character whereas right um i i would say sir edward lee is much more of a sort of ha-ha type if that makes any sense
3: yes Yeah, very much so. Are we being cruel? No, sorry, I just got completely distracted because I was trying to make a play on double-breasted and me being stapled in, but then I gave up. (laughs) Very (laughs) good.
2: Uh, Should we call it
0: there?
3: Yeah.
2: Ava Santina, it's been a pleasure.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50